I'd got it to a point where it was running smoothly and, and that people didn't rely on me. They didn't physically need me personally because I'd built it that way. I think that's what made it a, a good saleable asset and the fact of the brand as well. I think the brand was a big thing. You're listening to the Bookkeepers podcast sponsored by Go Proposal by Sage. I've been a student of value pricing for many years now. Understanding pricing has helped me to transform our firm's results and build a firm that can run without me. A key tool we use for pricing in our firm is Go Proposal. It allows us to build the price in person with the prospect and send out a proposal and engagement letter immediately, which has saved us hours from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but being able to create a standardized pricing system within the software means everyone on my team can use it freeing me up from being the bottleneck. If you're not using it already, I highly recommend you check it out. Just head to goproposal.com forward slash sign up for your free trial. Now over to the latest episode of the Bookkeepers Podcast. Hi and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. Today I am joined by the fabulous Bev Flanagan and we're going to hear all about Flev. We're going to hear about Bev and her journey very very shortly um it's so nice to be back we had a mad week last week of bookkeepers boot camp so i'm trying to let not say joining us back for bookkeepers boot camp it is it is just the bookkeepers podcast today and um we are we've had such a mad week and it's lovely just to have um have a chat with bev today and learn all about how you get your practice ready to sell because Bev has been on that journey. And so firstly, um, let's get everybody that's joining us now to say hi in the comments. Let us know if you're hashtag live or watching on hashtag replay. And also, um, Bev, do you want to let us know um, a little bit about you and what it is that you do? Yes, sure. And thank you so much, Joe, for inviting me. Uh, I'm Bev Flanagan, as you said. See, I said my name right. You didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if only know me, I'm in the years. Uh, we'll let you off. Um, so yeah, I'm an accountant, been an accountant for a long time, about 25, 26, 27 years now. I don't even want to add him up anymore, to be fair. Um, I've worked for previous companies such as the Daily Mail, uh, Royal and Alliance, and then I had my own business for the last 17 years. I had my own accounting practice uh, and I successfully sold it in the summer of last year. And now I work for a software vendor, Iris. Wow. Probably different wow. to what I'm used to, but it's all good. It's so, so different. So Bev, why don't you tell us about, because um, we were very lucky in our Bookkeeper Success Lounge, we actually pulled you into one of our office hour sessions and we let all of our members ask you all the questions that they wanted to know. So today we're going to give them, a, you know, give you all a little bit of an understanding of what went on, but you know, not all the nitty gritty, because obviously you're going to keep some of that back. But um, Bev, explain to us how and why you started a bookkeeping practice. And when, when did you do that? Yeah, so I still when did I start it? I think it was about early 2000s anyway. Um, so when I just said I, I worked, I was a financial controller for four of the Daily Mail companies. And actually, I really loved that job, but we all got made redundant, unfortunately. Well, I say unfortunately, it's fortunately, really. Um, because at that time, Daily Mail, as you know, it's a massive group. Um, and they had like, a, I don't know, thousands of little companies, subsidiaries underneath its wings at the time. And all the little subsidiary companies, so I, I work for four, as I said, we all did our own accounts in our own time and our own software. And they decided that they need to, needed to create a shared accounting centre. And they did that and they plonked it in Leicester. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with Leicester. I'm from Sheffield. It's quite far away and I didn't want to relocate, just like all the rest of the finance team. So we got naturally made redundant. But it was a nice redundancy, if I'm being honest, if there is such a thing, because so we finished this work quite early on. So we were sort of there helping out for a few months. And I can literally visualise it right now in my mind that I was the FC. I'd got an FD. He's called Stephen Duck. I still speak to him and connect to him on LinkedIn right now. And we got on really well. And I remember saying to him, I think I want to do it myself. I can easily go and get another accounting job, just go to an agency or something. But I fancy having given it a go myself. And he said, just do it. You've got nothing to lose, really. You've got a bit of redundancy money to fall back on if, if it doesn't work. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So that was the kick up the bum, if I'm allowed to say that on your podcast, sorry, uh, <laughs> to, to, to sort of do it myself. And I started by myself, didn't have any offices, didn't have any staff. It was just me. Um, and I was a member of the ICB. And that's what I used to be regulated by. So at first I wasn't sort of a, a formal accountant or anything, although I've obviously got all the training in it. I'm a little bit of a shiny magpie, me, Joe. So mm. I'm a I'm part seamer, I'm part ACCA. So I'll start on one thing and then it's like, oh, I like that one. I'll do that one. So I am part qualified in both those two. So I'm not chartered accountant and, and that's absolutely fine. I didn't need to be. Yeah. But for my job at the time, they would pay for my study at the Daily Mail, but I didn't need it for the role. So I wasn't really pushed to do it. And yeah. I just didn't do it. Um, so then I joined the ICB because I, I wanted to be regulated by a professional bookkeeping body because that's how I wanted to start my own practice. And yeah, it just started from there really. I did all the sort of exams from that, the entrance exams. I'd already got quite a few exemptions from the part qualified SEMA and ACCA. Um, and then that's where my journey started. And as you do, started in my kitchen and then a year later got a bit busier and and, and then I've never advertised. Um, it's always been referrals. So my first client was one of the salespeople that got me redundant at Daily Mail because they set up their own business. So then I did yeah. naturally did their accounts. That next thing, one of them knew somebody that got a chip shop <laughs> near me. Yeah. I was like, oh, Beth, can you do my payroll? Yeah, could do that. And then that's literally how, how, how I grew. And then you get to a point where I can't do it myself. So then you take the staff on and then you need a little office. And yeah, that's how I grew. And then 2012, we won ICB Practice of the Year, which I was mm -hmm. extremely proud of. I'm quite competitive, me. I think I'm a bit like you in that respect, aren't I? Because we've been yeah. finalists for a few years before, and I'm like a really sore loser. So yeah. <laughs> when we won, it was like, yes, we did it. I was on your table that night when you what, won. When we won? And, yeah, and I that's remember. what really made me made me think that I'm going to go for and that. You did and, it. Um, well, five or seven attempts later, yeah, I got yeah, there. Well, <laughs> you did it though. That's what that's that counts. And to be honest, even even as a as an award winner, I know it sounds so posh, but we are award winners, so we should be proud about it. Yeah. But even being a finalist, I always feel you should shout about it because how many thousands of bookkeepers and accountancy firms out there, and to be nominated to be a finalist is massive. Yeah, so never it, mind winning, it, even though it's no. <laughs> and you're so true. It's so true because now since you know since becoming award-winning myself I have had the opportunity well, shy, you just said it don't say it shy you are award-winning be proud <laughs> you know that one I was like award-winning <laughs> <laughs> um but now and now I'm getting the opportunity to judge yes I actually seeing it from the other side I think I've been a judge yeah. like twice or three times now um and seeing it from the other side and seeing that there's like 12 15 20 practices that are going so to get into the top three it's I massive. can really assure you it's a massive big deal 
And you really should be so, so proud of being, you know, a finalist. It really is a big deal. And it's not easy. I mean, I I was doing some awards the other day and going through and the first one I opened up, I read it and I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is amazing. What if they're all like this? But they yeah. and it was just happened to be the first one, and they they were they were amazing. It depends on where you fall, but there it's it's such an achievement to get in the top three, top four, whatever it is, because yeah. the competition is massive. So yeah, we should really be mega proud. And I and I went on as well to win, and you this is on video as well in interview, so you can probably see my award behind me to win twenty twenty one Yorkshire Accountant of the Year, and. I'm, that is massive to me as well and I literally you'll get fed up from me saying it but I literally don't care I have to say it all the time because for that particular one in Yorkshire where I'm from there is so just like all over the country but there is some massive big players in in Yorkshire and I'm talking like PricewaterhouseCooper, BDO, KPMG and now we're up against them my little firm and I'm thinking literally I'm quite happy just to be a finalist which as we've said is an achievement in itself and I never expected to win and you know the it was for a panel, like you just said, a judging panel that don't know me. They just look at my application, look at my LinkedIn, look at my social media, etc. Um, look at my application, and and then and then I won that, and that that was like, what? Wow, that's that is good. So, really moral good. of the story is, don't think you're too small to be up against the big boys and girls. No, absolutely. And I know that there are rewards out there at the moment. You know, I know accounting excellence. Um, I think zero zero have shut, um, but there are always awards and we try and share about it all the time because, you know, don't ever, th- and especially if you're starting out, there are awards yes. for your first year, exactly. your fir- you know, new starters and things like this. So yeah, you, you do have to, you've got to, and get in the habit of applying for them um, because do you know what I find that when I actually go through, when I did um, women in accounting for ignition last year, top like 100 women, yeah. Even doing the application, you have to think of all the good things you've done. It's a really good exercise to make you Definitely. see yourself in a positive light. And um, that's the thing, just because you're applying for it yourself, don't feel like you're being a fraud or something because you're applying on your own behalf because you should be proud of what you've done. Everybody does it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the way does. it is now. Yeah. And, and yeah. You, you, just to add that, and, and it, being a finalist, like we said, it is massive in itself. But if you do get the opportunity to, to be a winner, I do think it does add massive you know ethos to your business don't you think joe like absolutely credibility everybody's all over you, you aren't they when you're born it's like Ooh. yeah self-belief it's it's yeah. really it's a lovely lovely feeling it is. and um yeah but but even me and bev know that we've been there we may have been finalists but we haven't won it's been you know and so i think sometimes people look at me oh it's okay for you you won like i said seven yeah. years or whatever like sitting there and paying and getting becoming a finalist but not winning it's it's not easy but it is difficult, it's, all part, yeah. it's still good still good fun and we get to meet people like each other and we've been friends exactly. for years because we've met at these kind of events exactly. and it's, it is really good fun so okay so i mean i think that's a bit of an insight you know today we, we talk about how to get your practice ready for sale yeah and doing things like getting in the habit of going for awards and things is a good thing because you are benchmarking yourself against other uh, firms you are having to think about why am I standing out from the crowd why is my practice good and also putting yourself out there in the limelight will make some maybe somebody looking at you and what your practice has to offer definitely and and it's, it's good for all different types of reasons because you know it's good for branding. I'm a big believer of having a personal brand as well as your business brand. Sometimes, obviously, they go hand in hand. But 
um, I'm in those awards, even like on a LinkedIn page, if you've not got LinkedIn, I'd definitely recommend getting that and getting connections on there. Because um, if you look at mine, yours are probably the same, job. But in my um, bio bit, I've just got all, everyone, like all my finalists, where I've been a finalist and where I've won. And it's quite good and I'm quite proud of that. And, and people look at that, don't they? Like they literally yeah. look at that all the time, not only for people that are judging you in sort of competitions and stuff, but also clients. You know, they can Absolutely. see them, like, oh, they must be good. They've won awards or they've been finalists and stuff. So de- definitely. That's a really good tip, Bev. I don't think I've got mine on my LinkedIn. Oh, that's what you'll be doing this afternoon. I thought I'd be doing that. would be my little job. As long as your list is not as big as mine. <laughs> it's I'm not going to be, don't worry. Don't worry. It's really not going to be. I'm um, I, so, um, so that's that's a really good top tip. Okay, so let's let's go back. You build in a practice. You've been doing it for many many years, um, and you're you're winning awards. Sounds like it's all going great. What made you think? Do you know what? I think I want to sell my practice. Um. It was nothing bad because it sounds like it was, doesn't it? Like all of a sudden I've just sold. But no, I thought about it for a little while because I absolutely love the accounting industry. That's all I've ever known. And running my own business for a long time, I love that too. Obviously, it's not always sweet and it's not always brilliant every day, as every business owner will say. But I'd managed to sort of put myself in the situation over the last few years before I sold to make sure everything was systemized. And I'd got that branding on point as well. I got my Google reviews flowing. Um, so I've got I've got some team around me and everything sort was sort of running like fine, uh, like clockwork basically. And and then it just got to the point where I thought, you know what, I've got to a point now where I can do something a bit different. Um, and 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 I've got my business to a state where it is a saleable asset, you know, and, mm. and I've got every like I said, everything was running fine. And and, and I decided that, I went through it with my husband, you know, obviously it wasn't just a, an overnight decision. And, you know, I'd, I'd spoken to a couple of buyers. Uh, they weren't right for me. My business is my baby, just like everybody that's probably listening to this. You built that from scratch. You're not just going to give it to anybody to, you know, mess with or whatever. So I'd spoken to a couple of people and they, they weren't right for me. Um, maybe they used different softwares and it just were, It just didn't feel right. So, no, no, I'd rather just carry on with it than sell it mm-hmm. to somebody that you know I knew that wasn't a right fit and then I, I had a coach and he introduced me to this person that bought my business and it was brilliant and it was so easy if <laughs> if I can say it that was, it, it was it was a it was a slick process for you it was. I think and this is why this is why I think people would think oh I'll just sell my practice but yeah. when we dug deep into this together recently and spoke about the elements of the what your practice had so that it was ready to sell, yes. it makes total sense. <clears throat> and this is where you actually had a business. Yes. So lots of bookkeepers have a skill set and they offer services and they are self-employed and they have a job. And if they yes. weren't there doing it, no one it you know they could sell on you might be able to sell on a book of clients like that but it's not very easy and it would be harder whereas you had systems processes a team a brand awards you had all of these behind it standing up so that somebody could take it on and actually between when they made the offer and when you left it was weeks wasn't it? It, was, it literally was yeah yeah no it was and um I could have stayed on if I wanted to but I didn't need to I did stay on for a few weeks so I think it was beginning of July that we was chatting and in negotiations and I sold it officially 
I think the 1st of August, so just a month later. And then I stayed on until I, I think it was like the 18th and the 19th of August, just to tie up a few loose ends that I personally wanted to do myself. I didn't need to, but I wanted to. It, it, that was difficult to let go, if I'm being honest with you. But, you know, you know, a lot of clients, they become your friends, don't they? So I'm still like in contact with a lot of them. So, but you're right. I did, I did build a business and that, that I think that's the differentiation, like what you've just said and that I'd got it to a point where it was running smoothly and, and that people didn't rely on me personally, Beth Lanigan, you know, because they knew that I got team. They knew that all the systems were working. They knew that they, they knew the system of sending me their documents every, well, me and my team every single day. So we'd got that information. They knew that we were doing daily bookkeeping. So they knew that their books were up to date anytime so they could have access to it wherever they were in the world uh, to see the debtors, the creditors, the VAT liabilities. So they didn't physically need me personally because I'd built it that way. <clears throat> so I, that, I think that's what made it a, a good saleable asset. And the fact of the brand as well. I think the brand was a big, well, I know it was a big thing because the person that bought my practice um, who's on this call right now, because I can see him, it's just commented. Mm -hmm. It's no <laughs> secret. It's Johan. Is it Johan Gore? He's, he's built a massive, uh, his, his group, his company's called On Point Accounting Group. And yeah, it's no secret because we've we've said it all over social media anyway. And and why should it be a secret? We had a successful transaction together and it's worked. So, you know, Johan's uh, acquired smaller firms in the past. And because they had not had that branding that I got, he sort of swallowed them up in his brand. But because yeah. of my branding was so strong and powerful, he kept the name on. So he kept my staff on. He kept all my systems on because he used a lot of the same systems. So that's where it was. The transaction was quite kind of streamless, really, because we had a lot of synergies in that. Um, but, but yeah, um, it, it, the clients knew, obviously, we told them, but it didn't make a big difference to them because no. everything carried on as normal. It's just I didn't own it anymore. It was another owner. And that's the thing is over time, you know, a business is a profitable enterprise that runs without you, um, you know, and you have, I, I know, Bev, you, I've, you've managed to have a life alongside running your business, but it was profitable. And also you didn't have, um, the other thing, your balance sheet was healthy. We had a yeah. chat about that, you know, you, you didn't have loads of liabilities outstanding because that would have all come off of the sale price if that was I didn't have any well. just no. usual the the latest quarter VAT return accrual for corporation tax stuff like that yeah I didn't have any loans or anything like that so I'm quite good typical that. northern lass yeah tight in a tight <laughs> <ship>. <laughs> exactly you know but me. <laughs> it's very important because some people it's that whole you know turnover is vanity you know think if it, you might have the turnover but if you've got loads of outstanding exactly. debts and liabilities then it's not a you yeah. know an That's asset yeah. no it's not so your balance balance sheet was strong you had a really strong brand you knew and you had documented systems and processes I mean that is not something that is done overnight so when I because when I heard that you'd sold and you we talked about how quick it was I know that, yes, that is the end product, but it's been years that you've been implementing these systems and processes That's the thing, and yeah. using software to do that as well. So do you want to tell us about how you've been running your the software and the systems in, in your practice? Yeah, sure. So um, I want, for, for bookkeeping side of things, um, sorry, I just coughed. Uh, I, I wanted to be, as a practice, really, really good 
at one are not okay for a few. So, and, and you'll know, Joe, it's personal choice. They all do pretty much the same thing, don't they? But I, I decided on QuickBooks. I love QuickBooks. Um, the 99% of my clients were on QuickBooks. There were just a couple that weren't, they were on Xero, but that's because they came over and they love Xero and they were quite big established businesses and they didn't want to change, but that was absolutely fine. Um, and then I used um, Aaron saying, yeah, QuickBooks, that's good. But <laughs> have you seen what his thing is afterwards? The QuickBooks chap, so he's going to enter. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I also, so I use Iris products for the other stuff. So, I, well, I use Go Proposal, um, which is fantastic. Um, for my proposals and letter of engagements, which in turn goes with the direct debit. So again, that's the systemized part of it. So when I'm getting a proposal, I don't have to mess about chasing money because they're paying me monthly in advance every single time. Hence me having a, a good balance sheet and being tight. <laughs> and then I used um, tax filer to file uh, accounts and personal tax returns. And what else did I use? Oh, Centre. What? Fucking heck, I forgot about Centre. Only the biggest one that I love. So Centre was my practice management software. And you know I loved it just as much as you do. I, having a practice management software is the best thing you can ever do. Even if you're just a one-person company, don't mm -hmm. think that you won't um, get loads from it because you will. If you use an Excel, don't. Just invest in it. They're, they're mm -hmm. quite cheap these days, a few quid a month. 100% start as you mean to go on and get that's the first thing I'd do now if I did start again which I'm not going to because Joanne will kill me but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's the first thing I would do get a good practice management software system right from day one. Isn't it interesting Bev um, I've been having this conversation recently um, I was having a chat actually on a webinar with Dext I think it was, it was for the ICB and we were with we, um, someone in the comments said oh, it's too expensive for me, I'm only small. And and you saying that then about practice management and investing. So when I started my practice, I was building a practice, I was building a six-figure practice on day one. I was yeah. building the practice that I've got now. So on day one, you know, I invest, I didn't start off with Centre, but I moved to Centre, but I did invest in practice management software. I invested in Dex, I invested. I'm, you know, I use Zero, and but I knew I needed that um, app stack for the yes. business that I was building, not that one that I had on that day. And it really frustrates me again what we said about not realizing that they're business owners. Yeah. If someone was going to go and you know set up a real traditional business, as they'd call it, in like a shop, they would invest in solicitors for the lease agreements. Yeah. They would invest in tills and staff and stock and they would lay out money to build a business. But for some reason, in this industry, people are happy to invest in qualifications and getting a certificate and paying for their practice license. And maybe they get it, they need some bookkeeping software. But after that, they kind of get really tight and they go and shut down and they're not realizing that they're running a business exactly i do feel a lot of people uh, in our industry feel that they, it is a little bit of a lifestyle hobby thing and it isn't it's a business 100 i use dex as well joe and and going on that i used to recharge out dex not for center obviously because that was internal use yeah but for dex i used to recharge it out to clients like 10 15 quid a month or whatever the clients yeah. didn't care because they were using it they could see the value because it was cheaper yeah. than them going to buy it from them directly. So my software costs that were a few hundred quid a month, I I weren't really paying for it. And it were helping no. me anyway with the clients and they were loving it. And if I can teach a plumber or a builder how to use 
um, a software on the mobile phone. Anybody can do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We do, and we're very. We um, when I go through my Go proposal, you know, there's the bookkeeping, there's the compliance element, there's the advisory <clears throat> element, and then there's your app stack. And here's all the software you're going to pay for. You can go and get get it direct. You're going to get it cheaper from me, but it's also going to make your life easy. And I think that's the thing oh, we have to help them understand the value the benefits what what yeah. how's it going to make their lives better um and you know um we do it like recently i just had a client come on board and they were using um zero internally and they're like why do i need dex i've been using zero but yeah. we've been able to you, you know with dex fetch and things like that be able to say this is you know this is how it's easy you've all got your own email addresses and yeah it's still a bit more money for them a month but they're like if that is your system and you are the expert and you're telling me that's how you work. Exactly. I'm happy. So I think, yeah, you, you shouldn't have to pay for this software, but you do have to initially invest that time and you, effort and yeah. learn it. I think when you're a small business, you think it's an unnecessary expense, but that's the mindset thing. You've got to get over that. You have to do it. And and I am a massive believer of law of attraction. So if you think, oh, I've got to put some money out to buy this software, I bet you anything, you'll get a client straight away that will pay for it. I bet you anything. Um, but you, you know you've got to use like when I first started they didn't have all this software well they, I'm not that sounds like I'm like 95 year old but they did have <laughs> software but nowhere near like the amount of variety that there is out there today literally every day there's new software coming out there so I don't think anybody's got any excuse Joe, not not to try it no. and, and just um, to, to do it and the thing is that we what we need to do is utilize this software in our own businesses and make sure that our financials and our data is like top priority we are running businesses too i actually i mean i for six-figure bookkeeper means that we outsource it to one of our members um because we want to have a meeting once a month we want to know what's going on and we know that we're you know we haven't got a lot of time and that's not where our best i'm in my practice exactly what you I'm not I am not a bookkeeper anymore I run a business I'm the business yeah. owner I'm head of sales and marketing I'm head of HR and IT and and if I can I'll I, I mean I've now outsourced the IT I, I try and outsource because they're not my areas of expertise um, and yeah. our job is to build the brand and yeah. you know to have those conversations those high level conversations with the client but the operations and I know people get I get it. If you've just got your qualifications, you just want to do the work and that's yeah. fine. But me and Bev have been doing this for decades. So we, we are done. <laughs> Don't tell everybody how old we are. <laughs> no, you're totally, totally right. I get you. When you first start, you want to do everything yourself, but it gets to a point you can't, you physically can't, you know, you, you're good at what you do. You're going to get these clients. It gets to a point where it then becomes stressful. Like with everybody that's listening to Johan, Johan wasn't the first person that I went to. I'd gone to a couple more people before, but they weren't right. They weren't the right fit. Like I said, it was my, like my baby. There's no way I'm just going to give it up. And, and I'd built, I've got clients that I've had, had like over a decade that I've built relationships up with. I, I know, I know about their families. I know about personal situations because you do, don't you? You get to know the clients on a really personal level and know their accounts inside out. So it had to, for it to carry happy that I got introduced to him. And it, like I said, he made it such a, it sounds really difficult, doesn't it, that you're selling your business? And it is difficult, obviously, in your mind, it's very, very difficult. Like the day after I'd sold it, I'd gone from like running around doing my own business to like, um, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> so that's then... difficult after doing it a long time, but yeah. that's not a bad thing, I suppose. Um, no. But 
no, like you said, you, you have ideal clients. If you want to sell your practice, there are absolutely ideal people to acquire your business. And I would highly recommend Joanne, to be honest. He's brilliant. And and the thing is that even if this isn't on your radar right now, even if you have just started, maybe you're you're, you're studying. I really believe every business should be lovely listening to you today and hearing about your journey and what you needed to do in order to... Um, build a business, a practice, a business ready to sell, and that it was all on your terms. And I'm so grateful that you've come here today and shared your story with us. If anyone wants to connect with you and follow your journey even more, how would they do that? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm literally on LinkedIn every day. So if you just search for Beth Flanagan, um, you'll you'll find me. <laughs> you will do. And there'll be something purple on there as well. Because, be uh, purple. I need to get over this purple obsession. I'm nearly 50 now, so... <laughs> You are not nearly 50. I am. Oh, my goodness. goodness. You look amazing. You look amazing. So um, that's, that's yeah, you are getting younger. You've sold your business and now look younger than you did. So, I mean, that's another great point. That's for another podcast, Joe. <laughs> another. We could do another whole podcast on that. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. I hope you've really enjoyed listening to Bev's story. And we will be back this time next week, 1 p.m. next Wednesday for another podcast. See you all very soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Don't forget to join us every week for the Bookkeepers podcast. For topical bookkeeping chat, why not join our free Facebook community, Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.